Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Asimo.com NBA Strategy Show. Sponsor of the show, No House Advantage. Got a nice little four-game slate today, and then a one-game early uh, showdown. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm Alex Baker, joined today by Adam. Ship my money chair. Adam, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Glad last night's over. Glad the night before it is over. Glad the night before that's over. Uh, excited to get on to another slate where uh, th- there's fewer games, so less things to potentially burn us, I guess. Dude, last night was wild, man. I was at my computer like all night, changing my lineups every like 15 minutes. Like, thank God for the late swap advisor. Because yes, yeah. last night was one of <laughs> like whenever the late swap debate comes up, and people are always just like, well, I don't want to be glued to my computer all night. And my thought is like, well, yeah, you, you don't need to be. Like last night, it was like, oh yeah, I see what these people are talking about because I literally was just sitting at my computer for three hours past lock. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, and uh, I guess the way the news went down was. <clears throat> After lock, I think Jaron Fox was announced questionable. Um, and then we had Cole Anthony and Evan Fournier ruled out. And I had a ton of those guys because, like, if they played, they would have been in good spots. So I'm like, oh, snap. Like, now I've got to change everything. So yeah. uh, how did it go for you? Uh, not great. I had an entry in the $1,500 on DraftKings that I basically bubbled. So that wasn't a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, I I was in the same boat as you with Cole Anthony, but then I sort of, as I was late swapping with like the earlier news, I was sort of getting less and less and then ended up regretting it because I would have liked to have had that roster spot to like swap to other guys. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was whatever. It was a normal slate, I guess, as far as results go, like didn't get buried, came out a little bit behind. Yeah, uh, some of the the chalk plays really kind of didn't come through for us. So the number one one was Peyton Pritchard. He, I, as soon as he was announced the starter, I was like, I was expecting Teague to get the start and Pritchard to come off the bench. I'm like, oh shit, like this guy is probably going to be a really good play. But then he got the minutes, but he didn't really do anything. So that was kind of disappointing. And then Isaiah Stewart got in foul trouble. He he made value. Uh, <laughs> that was like 16 points. So any thoughts? I mean, just one of those slates, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Pritchard, I I had, I was under the field on Pritchard by a little bit. I was way under on Garrison Matthews who had zero points at halftime and then scored 21 in the second half. Um, but Stewart, yeah, it was kind of just, you know, what do you, what do you do there? Like he's, he, he ended up only playing 22 minutes because he picked up 2000 in the first two minutes, but it was still just such a a clear value and really the same goes for Pritchard. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, you kind of, I think it's just one of those where um, you're, it's not always going to work out, but if you're consistently putting yourself in a position where you're rostering the clear best values and then, uh, you know, playing the ownership game more so with guys that, that have similar ranges of outcomes towards the top, you're going to come out ahead over time. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> so uh, hopefully today will be a time for us to exercise some of that strategy. We already have some big injuries, so we'll get into those when we get to the game-by-game breakdown. Before we get into that, um, make sure to hit that like button. If, uh, if we've helped you get some big uh, big lineups, you know, appreciate the support. Hit subscribe as well if you're not already subscribed to the channel. And uh, our sponsor, No House Advantage, has a lot of NBA DFS contests tonight. 
they are prop based. So you have to pick player props, rank them as far as how much you like them, and whoever comes out on top wins the prize pool. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've talked a lot about for NFL. Hopefully, you guys have gotten to try for NBA too. Uh, you can use the promo code Osmo to get a first match deposit of twenty dollars. And the best part, I mean, obviously this is more like DFS where you're playing against other people and not the, the uh, sports books. So it's a lot easier to get an advantage. So make sure to check out No House Advantage. All right. So our first game is a showdown between Philadelphia and Phoenix. Um, on the Philadelphia side, we have Shake Milton out. He's uh, been doing that six-man role. So um, I would say that's not like... The, the biggest impact on the rest of the guys, but uh, who do you think would benefit from Shake Milton being out? Yeah, so last game, you didn't really see anyone really stand out. You got 12 minutes for Tyrese Maxey, which is, you know, more 12 more than he normally gets, but not really enough to be great for DFS. Matisse Thibel only played 15 minutes. I thought there was a chance he'd play a little bit more. Cork must played 24 minutes. So, I mean, he was, you know, I guess the biggest beneficiary off the bench. But what you really saw was, um, and, and Lofty mentioned this and got it right, uh, Seth Curry stepped in the 34 and a half minutes. Danny Green played 31.2 minutes. So you got a little bit extra run for those starters as well. Um more and I think kind of helped them more so than it helped any one particular guy off the bench. Nice, yeah. So, uh, we got the showdown in single game pricing for this one. So, I think Danny Green, he's 4K, that's a pretty easy value to fit in. Tyrese Maxey at 2200, uh, stands out a lot in points per dollar, but um, the number of points is a little bit underwhelming because, as you mentioned, he only played 12 minutes. So, maybe we should talk a little bit of showdown strategy. So what uh, have you been playing a lot of showdowns and what would your general approach be? No, I haven't played too much um, for NBA. Obviously I played a lot for NFL, but you know, I think that it, it, a lot of it, and this is, you know, kind of just thinking from what I would apply from, you know, kind of what I learned from NFL this year where I played a lot, but um one thing that would be kind of slate dependent is when you talk about someone like Maxi, if it's a slate where you have a bunch of guys to pay up for, then those 12 points from Maxi become really useful for 2200, similar to like on an NFL slate where, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs or something. Um, but if it's a slate with more mid range plays, then it becomes less valuable, um, you know, kind of compared to like comparing it to like an NFL slate where you have mid range quarterbacks and, and wide receivers that you can get, you'd rather get an extra mid like good mid range player in there as opposed to going stars and scrubs. So, I mean, on this slate, you have Embiid at the top, obviously. Um, but then, you know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, these guys are all reasonably priced, Simmons and, and Harris. So I'm not really sure how useful those 12 points from Maxi are compared to getting to someone that's going to play 30 minutes like a Danny Green or a Seth Curry for more, but not like a ton more. Yeah, I mean, Danny Green seems like a really cheap option given that the minutes this year have been really good. I've been kind of surprised. He's averaged 28 over the year, but recently, uh, ever since that COVID outbreak, he's gotten like pretty good minutes around 30 a game. So that's been pretty exciting. He's never a, a very exciting fantasy player to have on your team, but do you think he's turned a corner this year a little bit? I, th I mean, I think he's better than he was last year, at least. I mean, yeah. in the bubble last year was just it was disappointing even by Danny Green standards. Like Danny Green has always been a good NBA player that just isn't the best fantasy guy because he's a three and D guy and, and you need him to basically get some defensive stats and, and, and knock down his threes in the bubble. He just shot unbelievably bad. So now he's getting back, I think closer to what you expect from him. He's not someone that's going to go out there and, you know, when the team's fully healthy, at least drop 50 fantasy points, but he should be able to go out there in 30 minutes and get you, you know, 20 to 24. Nice. Uh, that might do it on a showdown slate. We got a super chat from John Galtz, uh, 420. Appreciate your efforts, guys. So thanks, John. Appreciate you. I've, I mean, this guy is always in the chat and in our community. So I uh, got to see that he's been uh, having success. All right. <clears throat> so on the Phoenix side, we uh, Chris Paul is back. He's not listed as questionable or anything. So no injury worries there. I guess since it is a um, showdown game, we don't have to worry about late swapping or anything. Cameron Payne is questionable. Dario Saric is questionable. So maybe they have some reinforcements coming on along the way, as well as Abdul Nader. So do you think if some of those guys come back, like I feel like Cameron Payne is low-key kind of important to Chris Paul's fantasy value. Have, what do you think? I think he is too. Um, 
when he was playing, you were getting more of those like 29, 30 minute Chris Paul games. Whereas now you've been getting 32, 33 more often. Obviously when Booker was out, you were getting even more than that. But I think he could take a couple of minutes off of Chris Paul. It's not a guarantee, but it definitely, I think, lowers his floor. Whereas um, when, when Payne is out, you really have no, there's nobody behind them that that's really pushing him. So um, it could cost him a couple of minutes. And I mean, Payne himself is only 2K. If he gets 16 to 18 minutes, he's kind of, similar to Tyrese Maxey, where uh, it's going to be a good point per dollar value at the very least. So I think that is not like slate changing or game changing news, but I think it is something that has a slight impact on Chris Paul. So the one guy that has been really breaking slates has been Frank Kaminsky. He has gotten to start the last few games and it was kind of surprising because this is a guy who didn't even, who's a like DMP CD for a lot of the season. So what have you made of Kaminsky? And do you think if Saric is back today, will that impact his value? So if Saric is back, I think it hurts Aiton the most because Saric had been used as, as Aiton's backup this year. Um, Kaminsky, I, I still kind of don't know entirely what to make of it because when he first slid into the starting lineup, it was when Jay Crowder was out. And I kind of was, like, I assumed it was just like a short-term fix. But then even with Crowder back last game, Kaminsky started and played 35 minutes. Crowder played 26 off the bench. Uh, Cameron Johnson played 20. Mikel Bridges played 33. So like all these guys still got pretty, pretty, you know, significant run. If they're going to keep doing that, then Kaminsky is a, a good fantasy producer when he's on the floor. I just always get nervous when the salary on guys like this come up because he's not a good NBA player. Like he's never been someone, he's always been a good fantasy producer when he plays. He's never been someone that um, really carves out a consistent spot in a rotation and then maintains it because uh, coaches get tired of watching him play basketball. So that's where I always get a little bit concerned. Like at what point are the Suns going to come to the same conclusion that every other team has on Frank Kaminsky, but based on what we're seeing right now, if you're going to get 28 to 30 plus minutes from Kaminsky, he is going to look like a good play. And uh, that's been wild because I agree with you. He's just not a great NBA player. And it's not like they have a lack of guys like Cameron Johnson is someone that's been kind of suffering as far as his minutes because of Kaminsky taking on this new role. Um, the matchup versus Tobias Harris, like one of the weird things is Kaminsky, I feel like he's usually a center, uh, but they're playing him at power forward, which is a little weird, or maybe Aiden's a power forward. I don't even know. Really... I mean, Kaminsky was the four when he came into the league, and then as the league got smaller, he just kind of became a center. So Nice. So uh, this showdown slate looks like it has a little bit of intrigue there. So we'll stay tuned for any injury news on that one. Um, on the main slate, let's talk about this Indiana at Atlanta game. So uh, it looks like there aren't really any big injury uh, pieces here. So Karis LeVert, he has rejoined the team, but he's still listed as out. So we're still expecting Indiana to pretty much keep running out the same rotation. Now, Indiana got absolutely uh, smoked by Brooklyn, uh, and that was kind of disappointing, but then they came back with a good performance versus Detroit. Actually, the the Brooklyn game, it looks a little bit closer than it was because they finished down 10, but it's still, um, they were down like 20 at the half or or 30 or something. So, uh, Sabonis and Bragdon have always been uh, really strong fantasy options. How do you think they rate out on this slate versus Atlanta, who's kind of weak defensively? Yeah, I think they both look really good because, um, for one, this is a shorter slate. For two, they are still relatively inexpensive. I mean, you don't have quite as crazy a price tag on Sabonis on DraftKings as you did a couple games ago when he was like 8,300. But 9K is certainly still good for someone that gets one and a quarter fantasy points per minute and averages like 36 minutes per game. But the other thing, too, is that um, in addition to being a four-game slate, one of these games has the Knicks. So that's a game that you're expecting to be slow and defensively minded. One of these games has the Jazz and the Heat. So that's the same thing. So in terms of favorable matchups, you kind of have this game and you have the Brooklyn-Golden State game, which might score 290 points. But um, the 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 lack of like good matchups for for teams i think makes Sabonis and brogdon even more valuable than they normally would be at their prices so uh indiana has been running a little bit of a shorter rotation uh especially in this last game they only had eight guys play rotational minutes which was a little bit surprising because the previous game they had 10 
So what have you made of this rotation? Can we expect it to be a little bit shorter, which seems to have benefited some of the bench guys like TJ McConnell? Yeah, it's kind of been back and forth, uh, specifically at the center spot. You've seen Goga in and out of the rotation. I think that matters mostly for Sabonis, uh, to a lesser extent for Turner, because, you know, obviously if you have one less guy playing center, that's good. But for Sabonis, I would rather him be getting... I would like him to get as many minutes at center as he can. And if Goga's out of the rotation, that means that all the backup center minutes are going to Sabonis. Whereas when Goga's in the rotation, you're getting more minutes alongside him and a little bit of a decrease in production from Sabonis. Um, But also you had Doug McDermott join the starting lineup in place of Jeremy Lamb. McDermott played 30 minutes in three quarters, didn't even play in the fourth quarter of that blowout. So I I think the closing lineup here is going to be situation dependent. Sometimes you're going to have Turner. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Sometimes you're going to have, you know, Lamb and McDermott both in the lineup. Sometimes you're going to have, you know, last game, it was McConnell. Um, So I think that it allows you, we know the minutes are solidified for Sabonis and for Brogdon. I think for the rest of these guys, it allows you kind of just to like set groups and rotate these guys in because they're all cheap. Like if Miles Turner, on average, Miles Turner is probably going to play 28 to 30 minutes. But if in games where he does play 33, he's going to be a great play at this salary. Same goes for McConnell. You're normally going to play like 23, 24 minutes. In whatever games he plays 26 or 27, he's going to be a really good play at 5K. Same goes for Lamb. Same goes for McDermott. Uh, Justin Holiday probably needs to play like 90 minutes to be a good play at 5,500. But other than that, like all of these guys are priced to their average playing time basically and there's a lot of volatility because they can use so many different versions of their closing lineup so i think the shortened rotation makes it so that the all of these guys become a little bit more appealing because you don't have a a ninth guy out there potentially knocking like three minutes off of all of them there's a good chance that at least one of these non-brogdon or sabonis guys plays more minutes than they're basically than they're priced to play definitely uh it seems like there's a lot of guys with minutes variance on the pacers so um, McConnell is a good one. He played 32 minutes in the last game. I mean, that is really shocking because at the start of the year, he's averaging like 15. But um, Miles Turner is kind of interesting. So he hasn't played more than 30 minutes in a couple of weeks. So that has been a little bit frustrating to anyone who's picked him in fantasy, I think. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the matchup here in Atlanta. They run John Collins and Capella. I feel like that's one of the biggest front courts in the league. So do you think they would go with Sabonis Turner to match up with them? Or do you think that's not a factor? I think that they definitely can. Like it's, it's always tough for me with these two because they're so, they're athletic enough too. Where even if it's a smaller front court, you could have Turner and Sabonis with no problem. If it's a bigger front court, you can have Turner and Sabonis with no problem. Um, so I mean, my expectation would be that you're getting around thirty minutes from Turner, but you know, again, it's just. There, there's so much volatility here um, with, with how they run this because like, it's not like Capella is a really high usage guy. Um, so if they wanted to go with McDermott and uh, Sabonis in the front court, they could. Um, but my best guess is that you see a little bit more of Turner and Sabonis. Nice. So that would be a little bit encouraging if you want to take a flyer on Turner. Now, what about McDermott? He is always a, uh, a guy that can get hot from three, but he doesn't do a ton as far as peripheral stats. So if he does start this game, I mean, it, he played 30 minutes last game, so that was pretty good. Do you think that would make him a good fantasy value, or is he just kind of a guy that might be the last man in? I think he's a good point per dollar value. Um, it is the kind of player where I'll be interested to see where ownership ends up at just because typically he's not, you know, you, you spent some time talking about standard deviations yesterday. He's typically not the kind of guy that is going, is particularly likely to like break a slate open. It's he, he's more so the kind of guy where a lot of times he'll get you like, you know, six X, which is useful. But if he's really, really popular, you're not usually taking a huge risk by trying to find somebody else. So ownership on guys like that does typically play a pretty big role for me. He's played 
376 minutes with Brogdon and Sabonis on the floor this year. He's averaged 0.72 DraftKings points per minute, 18.9% usage rate. So if you're going to get 30 to 32 minutes from him, he's going to project as a, a good point per dollar value that opens up a lot of stuff for you on this slate. Yeah, I think uh, 30 minutes, uh, that seems like a... Uh, it seems like the minutes is going to be on average low for... Lamb, McDermott, and Turner, as well as McConnell. But then, like, as you're saying, if they get hot, they can get up into those 30s. So yeah. that that gives you that upside that yeah. really increases the variance and gives you that GPP potential. Yeah, I mean, we, we have six starts from McDermott this year, um, 30.4 minutes per game, 0.72 DraftKings points per minute. Granted, um, I think some of those starts came before Jeremy Lamb came back. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, yeah, so I, th- I think that, you know, like you're saying, if he's shooting well, if he plays more than 30 minutes, if he's shooting really poorly, there's no reason for him to be on the floor. So, um, you know, on average, probably in the upper 20s, maybe 30 minutes. But I think there's there's definitely volatility in both directions. Nice. On the Atlanta side, uh, we have DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich continuing to be out. And uh, one of the intriguing things was Danilo Gallinari, like two games ago, they announced his minutes limit would be 30. And uh, I think everyone was like, what the heck? This guy never even comes close to 30 minutes. But then he actually played 30 minutes. It was the most surprising thing this year um, for us NBA nerds. But anyway, uh, he only played 16 minutes in the last game. So that showed that was kind of a flash in the pan, maybe. But then, I mean, he he looks like he'd be a pretty good value at 4,500 on DraftKings or 4K and FanDuel if he gets the minutes. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, what the heck is going on with Gallinari? Yeah, and and yesterday didn't really help answer that question either because that game was just such a nightmare. I mean, it was like a 40-point game at halftime um, and just completely out of hand. So... Like he, he did only play about nine minutes in the first half. Um, two games ago, he played 12 minutes in the first half and then 18 in the second half. So I think that it's another guy where if he's playing well, there's because he can play multiple positions and a lot of guys on Atlanta can play multiple positions. If he's playing well, it won't be that difficult for him to stay on the floor. But at the same time, if he's not playing well, there's plenty of guys that can just interchangeably uh, be pieced in and, and take his minutes. So it's another guy where I think on average, you probably get around 25 minutes from him. Um, but when he's playing well, you can get those 30. And when he's playing poorly, you'll get 20. Yeah, so a good uh, volatile option there. Um, with the rest of the team, it looks like the salaries are kind of high with Indianapolis being not that great of a matchup. So Trey Young is around 10K on both sites. John Collins, 7,300 on DraftKings and 7,800 FanDuel. And Clint Capella, his minutes have come down, but the salary hasn't really. So none of these guys look like they're particularly good values to me. I mean, is there anything I'm missing here? I do like the price tag on Cam Reddish. Um, I hate Cam Reddish as a DFS player, but he's only 4,100 on DraftKings, 4,200 on FanDuel. I think you get about 30 minutes from him. And, you know, again, with it being a four-game slate where two of the games have really, really difficult matchups, I think that Reddish looks like a good value. Um, Beyond that, it's more of just, you know, tournament upside plays like, if you somehow get more than 30 minutes for Capello, which hasn't been a thing for a while, kind of like Miles Turner, um, then he's going to be really good at his salary, but he's most likely going to play 28 to 30 minutes. Collins, you know, if Capello were to get in foul trouble or something and you get more center minutes, it's not going to take much for Collins to become a really good play. But based on, you know, our, our normal assumptions, he's priced about where he should be. And then the same goes for Trey Young, who obviously has a monster ceiling, but he's priced almost the same as Steph Curry against Brooklyn. And so that makes it really difficult to prioritize him. So um, I think Reddish and Gallo stand out as the two, like, I don't even, I don't know that good values <laughs> is the right word, but um, reasonable values that have a pretty clear path to how they can, um, you know, pay off. And then I have some tournament interest in the more expensive guys just because they are good point per minute players. You just kind of need them to get a little bit more minutes than we're expecting. Yeah, I think this one, there's some good studs to pay up for. So Trey Young might be um, not as much priority. Now, uh, we got a question from Rich. I kind of glossed over Jeremy Lamb. Do you have any feelings about Jeremy Lamb today? He's just, he's in that mix where 
if he plays 25 minutes, he, he's around a 0.9 fantasy point per minute guy. Coming off the bench, you should get a little bit more usage as well because he's playing fewer minutes with both of Brogdon and Sabonis on the floor. Um, he closed last game. Granted, that wasn't a particularly competitive game, but you will see a lot of closing lineups, I think, um, you know, going back to the point that the closing lineups will vary a lot. But the nice thing is when Lamb's playing well, there's a good chance that you're still going to get those 28 minutes because he's going to be in the closing lineup. So um, I, I think that the main point for Lamb, for McConnell, for uh, McDermott, for Turner, for all these guys, whenever there's players with volatile minutes like this, ownership becomes a really big factor, in my opinion, like more so than in spots that have less volatility. Because if a spot is more volatile and ownership goes up, you typically want to just get away from it. Whereas if ownership is, if the field is basically saying like, I don't want to take the risk here, then there's a lot of reward to taking that risk. So the the risk reward just becomes like really important on, on volatile spots like Lamb. Nice. Yeah. We're all looking for those low on flyers that, that can get there. So I am, seems like he could be a good option. We uh, have uh, Evan teeing us up in chat. He says he's in on Noel Chalk. We'll get to that game in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> first, I want to tell you about the promo code we have going on right now. So uh, I know NASCAR is not a sport like a ton of people watch, but man, I never watched it, but playing in DFS is like really fun, especially we have the Daytona 500 coming up tomorrow. I mean, those super speedway races, like there's everyone crashing and then like the last lap, everyone's going all out. And then like the standings completely flip. It's a lot of fun. We have all the content for cup, um, as well as Xfinity and camping world series, which are the minor league uh, races for NASCAR uh, as part of our package. You can use the promo code Daytona for half off the first week, so it's five bucks to get all the Daytona 500 content. Also, I want to uh, mention our free content today. So we got the NBA Big Board. That's a tool that we really have for uh, hand-building lineups to make it a lot easier. The NHL Top Stacks and then the MMA Fighter Projections. We got a big card today for MMA, so that'll be a lot of fun. Make sure to get some lineups there. All right, so this next game, uh, Houston at New York. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he got injured mid-game last year, uh, fracturing his – or, sorry, last game. Uh, he fractured his hand, and it sucked because he was balling out, like, completely. <laughs> and uh, he would have probably won the GPP if he hadn't. But um, I assume since he fractured his hand, uh, he won't play today. Um and that's probably going to make Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson the, the two centers. So I feel like that's going to open up a ton of value. Uh, what do you expect to happen with Mitchell Robinson probably out? I'm expecting Noel to get the start. I'm expecting him to play like mid to upper twenty, mid to upper twenties and minutes. I'm really interested in what the backup rotation looks like because my best guess, I agree with you, that you're going to get Taj Gibson as the backup center. If you look at the second half yesterday against the Wizards, Norland's Noel played the entire third quarter. Taj Gibson played the entire fourth quarter. We know that Tibbs has loved Taj Gibson for at least a decade at this point, and so I assume that's going to be the rotation. But with Houston being a small team, you could get Obi Toppin getting more run. You could get Julius Randle getting time at the five, um, you know, with Toppin getting more run with, or or with the wings getting more run because we know the, the Knicks have a ton of wings and so, so does Houston. So I'm kind of interested to see how the rotation goes here. My best guess though would be that you're getting 26 minutes from Noel and 20-ish from Gibson. Nice. So that would probably make Noel look like a really good value because the salaries haven't updated uh, for this injury. Taj Gibson, maybe <laughs> someone that you want uh, in a couple of lineups, but it's hard to feel very excited about him. But now that they got D Rose on the, the Knicks, I mean, they got that old, old Bulls vibe. So that's kind of fun. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the Knicks. So Julius Randle has been a complete monster this year. Uh, the one category he's really improved has been assists, where he has a 26% assist percentage, which is really high as like point guard status almost. So um, what have you made of that? And then how do you feel about Randle tonight? Yeah, so he's maintained those rates, which has been really good to see, even with the Knicks backcourt getting healthier. And then he's also maintained his playing time. As you and I had talked about yesterday, he's averaging the most minutes per game on the Knicks over the last month by like more than four minutes over RJ Barrett, who's second. So he's been like the one guy just completely unaffected by 
the Knicks returning to, to full health. It, I am interested to see if maybe Derek Rose's addition takes some stats away from Randall, since you are talking about a very high usage guy that gets a lot of assists as well. Um, obviously, we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. But Randall did have a big game last night with Rose um, active. So I do still like Randall here. His salary came down a little bit on DraftKings from 9,100 last night to 8,700 tonight. Um, not the most fast-paced game here, but still certainly someone that I think has plenty of upside in tournaments, especially because, as I mentioned before, I think the most likely outcome is that the center rotation is just split between Noel and Gibson. But I definitely think there's a greater than zero chance that you get some small ball lineups from the Knicks here with Randall at the five. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility, but I don't think we've seen Randall really play the no. five this year. So this would be, uh, I mean, they haven't really schemed for that. So I think the most likely thing is uh, that Taj and uh, Noel will, will split the minutes at the five, but maybe if it's like a closing lineup, I guess I could see if, if neither of them is playing well, that Randall could, uh, could sneak in there uh, at the five. Because we have, he, he's played 68 minutes this year without Noel Gibson or Robinson. Oh, he has. Okay. So that that's a good sign that he could play. <clears throat> I, I guess um, the result of that would be that they get either another wing in the, the closing lineup or Obi Toppin sneaks in there. But Toppin hasn't been playing that well this year, so I'm a little hesitant to play him in DFS. Um, <clears throat> so since Derek Rose got traded to the Knicks, Austin Rivers got, um, I guess it hasn't been that many games, but Austin Rivers hasn't played, uh, it hasn't been in the rotation since then. And Derek Rose is backing up R.J. Barrett. So R.J. Barrett's minutes appear to have kind of collapsed a little bit since his early numbers where he's averaging 36 at the start of the year. Do you think he's unplayable in DFS for now? Yeah, I think it's a lot tougher because, like, whereas Julius Randle gets a lot of minutes and is a great per-minute fantasy producer, Barrett's not a great per-minute fantasy producer. He basically has just had value a lot of the season because he played 38 minutes a game. But now when you're getting 30 to 32 minutes – um, from a guy that averages 0.8 fantasy points per minute, you really need that price tag to drop. And it's come down, but it hasn't come down that quickly or, or that far yet. So I think Barrett is a lot less appealing now than he would have been, you know, two, three weeks ago. Agreed. Uh, what about the point guards? We got Alf Payton and Emmanuel quickly. It seems difficult to predict who's going to get the minutes on any given day, but <clears throat> the last week uh, it's been mostly Alf Payton. So have you noticed anything that makes you think that maybe quickly has fallen out of favor a little bit, or is this just whoever is playing better and this has happened to be Payton for the last week? I think it's just kind of been whoever's playing better. Um, so it's definitely one of those situations where I don't feel confident in, in any of them. But um, if you're going to get low ownership on a cheap guy, then there's some appeal. Um, for a while, Alfred Payton's salary had really plummeted. He was like 3,800 on DraftKings. And so you could basically say like, okay, well, it wouldn't be the first time Alfred Payton's played well. Uh, so now you're kind of in that situation with Quickly where he's, he's back down to 4,400 on DraftKings. And the most likely scenario is that he plays around 20 minutes and you know that's not great but he's he clearly has a path to playing more than that at 4400 he's a good point per minute player so i do think that in tournaments quickly um is worth a look on the houston side we got old depot out so that should open up some value for john wall and eric gordon uh last time old depot was out gordon was uh, in the starting lineup so i guess we're gonna see wall gordon tate um on with uh pj tucker and cousins and uh that makes wall and gordon look like pretty good plays since oladipo has been getting a lot of the assists lately and uh has pretty high usage so do you think wall and gordon are going to be core plays for you tonight yeah especially wall uh gordon i think looks good too he's just I, I think closer to correctly priced wall is in that situation. Like I think Westbrook was yesterday where even if Oladipo were in, I would think John wall was underpriced. And then when you take Oladipo out, it just becomes more obvious. You got another like 35 minutes from wall last game. So he's back to playing big minutes. Like we saw at the beginning of the year, he's played 213 minutes without Oladipo or Harden on the floor this year, 31 and a half percent usage rate, 41% assist percentage. So both of those numbers look really good. Uh, the only negative here is that the Knicks are a an efficient defensive team and they play at the slowest pace in the league that's why you see the low total on this game but uh still I mean John Wall at 7200 on DraftKings seems like one of the more obvious plays on the slate 
Agreed. Yeah, I think that Wall really stands out. He's been outperforming that salary for a while, so it's surprising that he's on there. <clears throat> now, uh, Old Depot being out should open up some more minutes for other guys. So the uh, the guys that probably are going to benefit are guys like Tate, House, Noaba, Sterling Brown. Do you have any preference between those guys? Slight preference for Nawaba, but I think he's pretty similar to, to Brown. They're both really cheap. Um, Nawaba had basically, or he had moved ahead of Brown in the rotation. And then in the games recently where they've been shorthanded, it's been, it's been kind of weird because like he's coming off the bench ahead of Brown, but then Brown's just played really, really well. So I think both guys are, are very similar. Um, if I could only pick one and then, you know, had to pick one, I would give a slight edge to Nawaba. Awesome. Yeah, Nawaba, he's been uh, pretty good on a few occasions this year, and it seems like the coaches really like him in Houston, so I like that call. <clears throat> Brown also seemed to benefit a lot when guys were out recently, so maybe wore some flyers. And then House, how are you feeling about House? I mean, he's cheap, and he plays 30 minutes. Um, he's more productive than P.J. Tucker. He's less productive than most other players in the NBA. Uh He's he I think he's a good value. He's similar to Doug McDermott. Like I think he's a good point per dollar value. I think the chances of him having a game that really helps you if you have him or really hurts him if you don't is pretty low. So it kind of will just depend on how my how his ownership looks, how the total ownership of my lineup looks, and whether I need to land in that price range. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, we have a special giveaway today for the Daytona 500. So make sure to hit our pin tweet at Osmo underscore com. If you get it right, you can get a free month of Osmo Platinum. Uh, there's actually five monthly passes being given out, so that's like 500 bucks of value. Follow the instructions on the tweet and predict the winner of the Daytona 500. That's a tall order, but uh, I mean the prize is uh, going to be pretty big for that. Five random winners of the correct or closest guessers would be selected. So I guess you don't have to get the, the winner if it is someone totally random. So make sure to hit us up at Osmo underscore com on Twitter and also on Instagram. All right. Uh, Brooklyn at Golden State. So we got uh, Kevin Durant back for this game after like somehow like getting ruled out for a week because of COVID. So that was... Uh, a very unusual situation uh, because he already had COVID earlier. So, I mean, anyway, uh, with him, Harden, and Kyrie probably playing in this game, uh, how does that affect who you're going to be looking at tonight? Yeah, so we get to go back to that, to what we talked about before, like when, when they're all healthy, they all still have really high ceilings because they're all three of them are, are great players. The likelihood of them reaching that ceiling in any particular game just comes down a little bit because they have to share the ball. Durant's the guy, though, that I think is going to be the most consistent from this group because, for one, he's the leading rebounder out of you know him, uh, Harden, and Irving, and that's typically a, a more consistent stat than, than the others. So I think that's good. But also, I just expect this to kind of be Durant's team and then Harden and Irving to sort of have like fluctuating usage. But I think Durant is just consistently going to be the guy. Um, so far in the six games they've played together, 1.28 DraftKings points per minute for Durant, 28.5% usage rate, 17% assist percentage, 13% rebounding percentage, just contributes in every category enough to where I think that he's going to be relatively consistent, whereas you see a little bit more volatility with Harden and Irving. So on DraftKings, where Durant comes in at 9,600, I think that's a really good salary here, assuming that he's not on a minutes restriction. Um, 10K on FanDuel, I think, looks pretty good for him as well. Nice. Yeah, Durant looks like a solid play. Um, Harden, I've noticed one one stat that he seems to have upped his game in Brooklyn is the rebounding, because Brooklyn really doesn't have any rebounders outside of DeAndre Jordan, and even his rates aren't that high. So, uh Harden has had a 19% defensive rebounding rate over the last few games. Uh, do you expect any of the guys uh, on the Nets to, to pick up some more boards? Because it seems like Jeff Green doesn't even rebound and DeAndre Jordan's rates aren't that high. Yeah, and then Jordan's not Jordan's out today too. So I think oh, there's yeah. so I think there's gonna be you know more rebounds to go around, which benefits Durant, but but also benefits Harden, like you said, um, 11, 11% total rebounding percentage in the six games that he's played with Durant and Irving so far. So you have seen an uptick in the peripherals for Harden where his usage rates only 21% in those games, but the assist percentage is up around 40%. The, the rebounding percentage is in double digits. So um, he is getting those peripherals. He is playing huge minutes. 
which gives him a pretty high floor and, and still makes him project reasonably well. And it just means that in those games where he does take on a bigger scoring role, he's going to have monster games still. So um, I, I am still interested in Harden. I do think he benefits uh, from Jordan being out potentially too, getting rebounds. Um, so I, I think that he comes in behind Durant for me, but I still think he's a, a good tournament option just because of his upside. Awesome. Yeah. J- Jordan being out should be kind of a big piece today. So uh, one of the questions, I mean, Jeff Green, <laughs> like he's going to get the start of center most likely, but he doesn't really produce for fantasy and he's not cheap. So on FanDuel 4,500, that's all right. Who They signed Noah Vonley and then they also have Norvell Pell, both guys that have struggled to really find a rotational spot in the NBA. Do you think either of them have value or is that just kind of uh, a way to see more? I- I'll probably wait to see more. Pell's only 3,400 on DraftKings, and he is someone that um, in his time with the Sixers was a decent fantasy producer. So I'm kind of intrigued there just because I assume nobody's really going to go there. And it's a situation where my best guess is that he doesn't play a ton of minutes, but we don't really know, and I certainly could be wrong. And one thing in tournaments that I try and kind of pay attention to is, you know, if I'm wrong, who benefits? And uh, Pell definitely, you know, if I'm wrong, he plays 22 minutes, ends up being a good value. So um, some interest in Pell if he's not getting ownership, um, kind of just as a dart throw where, you know, I hope he plays more minutes than I expect, but mostly just a wait and see for me, I think. Yeah, same. So uh, with Jordan out, do you see any other value? I mean, would you take any stabs on like a Joe Harris or uh, Bruce Brown, any other guys? Um, in tournaments, I don't mind taking shots at those guys just because I think this is the most appealing game in terms of number of possessions and fantasy points available. So while like Joe Harris doesn't project particularly well, Jeff Green doesn't project particularly well at their salaries, there certainly is a decent chance that they just play better than normal in the spot. Um, so I don't mind them as, as kind of a last guy in, but I think the priorities for me are, are Durant and then, you know, Harden and Irving after him. Awesome. On the Golden State side, Wiseman continues to be out. He was a really high usage guy and got a lot of rebounds. So some of that production has, has trickled out to other players ever since Juan Toscano Anderson has started and Draymond Green slid over to the five. So um, what have you seen with Wiseman out? Because like he has Wiseman has had a uh, 25% usage rate this year, while Toscano Anderson has 11%. Seems like Kelly Oubre has kind of had some huge fantasy performances in particular. But what, who are you looking at on the Warriors team? Yeah, so I mean, I think Draymond Green's the the first beneficiary here. It seems like Weissman being out has taken like 10 years off of Draymond Green's life, and he's back to playing like he's, you know, in his <laughs> mid-20s. Uh, he's averaged 1.12 DraftKings points per minute since Weissman went down. The rebounding percentage is back up to where you expect it to be with Draymond Green. The blocks have gone up. His assist numbers have been great all season long. That's the one thing that that has been good the whole time. So, and you're also getting more minutes. He played another 36 minutes last game against Orlando, and he's averaged about 34 minutes. Uh, without Weissman so I think that you know while Green's salary has come up this is a very good matchup against a Brooklyn team that doesn't defend and uh, they're you know like you said they don't rebound particularly well either so I think that Green looks really good here with Weissman out Um, Ubre's minutes become a little bit more solidified and you've seen his usage come up a little bit He's averaged about a fantasy point per minute with a 23.3% usage rate in the games without Wiseman. For the season, he's averaged about 0.9 DraftKings points per minute with a 21% usage rate. So you're seeing um, him, you know, get more opportunities. And he's also someone that has just shot really poorly this year that should get better going forward, you would think. And he contributes enough in the way of peripherals where I'm I'm interested there. Wiggins has been pretty disappointing, but um, there are more minutes available for him too. So I think that out of the the non-Steph Curry normal starters. Green's the guy that gets the biggest bump and then Oubre and then Wiggins. Awesome. Yeah, Green uh, had a really slow start to the year, but he seems to have picked it up and he's getting so many minutes. It's uh, kind of wild. Uh, Oubre and Wiggins also seem to have benefited. And then Curry, I mean, he uh, he's had some huge games this year. The salary at 10.1K seems like it's a little high, but do you think that is uh, is a reasonable salary? Yeah, I, I really like Curry here. I mean, it's a fast-paced game. Brooklyn doesn't defend, and it's likely to be a competitive game as well. 
uh, Golden State has said they're trying to keep Curry in the 34 to 35 minute range. But as usual, um, what Steve Kerr says and what Steve Kerr does tends to be a little bit different. Um, Curry played 37 and a half minutes in a competitive game against Orlando last game. You can still see 36, 37 minutes in competitive games from him. Uh, he's got a 34% usage rate in the games without Weissman. And we know that the ceiling is just extraordinarily high when you're talking about a player who a month and a half or so into the season already has games with 57 and 62 real life points. So, um, you know, yeah, like his average production is probably a little bit low for his price point. Um, but this also isn't a slate where you have any of those 1.6 fantasy point per minute guys like Doncic at a similar price point. Uh, it's kind of, you know, Cur- the 1.4 to 1.45 fantasy points from Curry is kind of as good as you're going to get on this slate. So I think Curry looks really good in the spot. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn has uh, had troubles defensively to say the least. So I think that um, Curry looks like a really good play. Now, Toscano Anderson, uh, the last game was kind of unusual because he didn't start the second half. It was Michael Mulder. So uh, any insight there, like what, what, what the Warriors are trying to do, because that seems like a very weird rotation. Yeah, I don't know what the what they were trying to do. Like from a kind of broader standpoint, I've been sort of surprised that Michael Mulder hasn't gotten more of a shot this year just because he's a good three-point shooter and the Warriors have no three-point shooting really outside of Steph Curry. But beyond that, I don't know what sort of made that happen in that game. It is notable that Toscano Anderson still closed that game and he played well in the fourth quarter. Um, it's a game where Golden State ended up coming back to win. And so my guess is that Toscano Anderson remains in the starting lineup, but you know, definitely will be something to keep an eye on because if Mulder were to start, I think it's sort of a similar situation to Garrison Matthews last night where his minutes still wouldn't be that safe. Like there would still be a good chance that you're only getting 20 to 21 minutes from him, but he is essentially minimum salary. And so there would be some point per dollar value there if he starts. Yeah, that'll be intriguing uh, if he got a start. But uh, since this game isn't at lock, we wouldn't really know. It's hard to, hard to predict that. All right, so we got a debate in chat here. Chris Hayes says Frank N in play. Anker says Frank N never in play. <laughs> I mean, Frank N doesn't even play, right? Are we talking about Nilakina? <laughs> I think so. I have yeah. no idea why they're talking about that. Is he even active? I, I think he's active, but he hasn't been in the rotation. So uh, I just thought that was funny. Uh, among the other Warriors guys, uh, is there anyone else you're looking at besides the starters? Um, Damian Lee's 3,500. He played 21 minutes last game. I, I'm only mentioning him because he's cheap and he's in the game that I like the most on the slate. But, um, yeah, and, you know, you could say the same thing for Bazemore, just sort of like a cheap guy where if something, so, so I guess the point being here, like we saw the weird rotation with Toscano Anderson and, and Mulder last game, there's nothing keeping that from being like Toscano Anderson and then Bazemore gets more minutes than we think, or, or Lee or whatever. So I do think that, because this game is so appealing um, in larger field tournaments, especially if you're playing a lot of lineups, taking some gambles on just cheap golden state players and hoping that one of them is the guy that Steve Kerr goes to um, make, makes some sense. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's four games. We got to dig deep here. Let's go to the last game, Miami at Utah. So uh, Utah has been one of the better teams this year. So uh, they're a five point favorite, but uh, Miami they uh all right so for the heat you got Dragic out uh silva and bradley leonard all continue to be out so the last game tyler hero was a late scratch but he is cleared to play today so pretty much a full strength squad aside from Dragic. so uh is there anyone standing out to you on the heat no, I think this is the least appealing game on, or at least appealing team on the slate for me. Uh, you can obviously always make a case for Bam and for Butler because they play big minutes and they both average, you know, 1.25 plus fantasy points per minute. But it is obviously a tough matchup for both of them. Utah is one of the slowest teams in the league. They're one of the most efficient defensive teams. So, um, you know, it, I, I'm not excited about those guys. But then beyond them, everyone at this point, I think is pretty much priced where they should be because um, Dragic has been out for a while. Hero is back. You know, you're probably going to get 32, 33 minutes from Hero. But um, some, at least some of those minutes will be alongside Butler, which hurts his production. Kendrick Nunn will be playing alongside Butler and Bam, which hurts his production. So uh, that combined with the really tough matchup, I don't have much interest at all in, in Miami. 
Let's uh, dig into it a little deeper, at least, since uh, it's, we only got four games. So Kendrick Nunn has been getting the start uh, recently and been playing big minutes, uh, but he doesn't always seem to crack the closing lineup. Although last game he played 40 minutes versus Houston. So uh, what have you made of Nunn this year so far? Because he wasn't even in the rotation at the start of the year. In the last game he played 40 minutes of regulation. So that seems like a big uh, change throughout the year. Yeah, he's. it's been weird because it's kind of like they'll, they'll use him as a starter or they won't use him sort of. Um, I think that, I mean, he, he, the, the minutes last game were with Hero out. So I don't want to read too much into that. I think that typically you're going to get around 30 to 32 minutes from him with Hero closing off the bench um, and, and you know, Hero getting a little bit more run than none. So assuming that Hero stays cleared for this game, I would assume that you're getting 30 to 32 minutes from, from none uh, who with Butler and with Bam is probably going to average around 0.8 fantasy points per minute. Nice. Uh, his price is a little bit up, but he's only 5,300 on FanDuel. So I'm kind of thinking he could be a nice point guard play there. And then uh, Butler and Bam out of bio, they seem to be pretty solid fantasy producers. I mean, the matchup uh, is a little bit bad, but do you think they have the upside today to, to win you a slate? I think they have the upside. I just think that there's guys that I will probably rather get to um, just because of the matchup. But yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have the upside Butler in 13 games this season uh, with Bam active 1.35 DraftKings points per minute, 32 minutes per game. Uh, typically you're going to get a little bit more than that. There's a game mixed in there where he got hurt. Um, Bam's averaged 1.24 DraftKings points per minute. So they certainly have the upside. They both contribute in a, you know, they both contribute to scorers, uh, rebounders and in the assist department. So uh, certainly have the ability to do well, just at a price point that I don't really love. Fair enough. Uh, and then what about Duncan Robinson? He's always a streaky player. Doesn't do a lot aside from three-point shooting, but he's 4,600. We need some guys around that range probably. How does he stack up there? It's it's really tough for me to get to Robinson in, in games like this because he he's a scoring dependent player who doesn't shoot very much. Um, he's a very efficient three point shooter, which is where his value comes from, and he typically plays low to mid thirties. But obviously, you would prefer him against a defense that's more likely to give him open looks. But even if it's going to be a good defense, I would rather it be a game where it's going to be fast paced so that at least he gets more the, the Heat get more possessions, which naturally is going to mean a couple more shots for Duncan Robinson. It's just really hard for me to get to a scoring dependent guy that has a 16% usage rate in a game where they're probably going to have limited possessions and he's probably not going to get a ton of open looks. On the Utah side, uh, we have Jordan, our producer, saying Joe Ingles has been out of his goddamn mind. So <laughs> uh, I assume Mike Conley will be – I guess uh, it's not clear if he's going to play today or not. But um, since we don't have news on that, do you have any insight there? And then how would that affect his slate? I haven't seen anything. Uh, my assumption for now is that he'll sit again, but um, I haven't seen anything one way or the other. Okay, so – Last night when uh, Conley sat, we saw a big game from Clarkson and then Gobert also went off, it seemed like, and that was a tough one versus Milwaukee and they won in fairly handily measures. So what did we learn from last night's game or was it pretty much what we expected as far as the rotation? Yeah, I think it was pretty much what we expected. Um, Gobert played more minutes than he had for he has on average for the season, but um, th- about 35 minutes yesterday, he played about 36 minutes the game before that. And you and I had talked on the show yesterday that it seemed like a matchup where you could get more Gobert because of, of Giannis. So um, that played out, I think, as we expected it to. Ingles played 30 minutes, shot incredibly well. Um, Jordan Clarkson played 30 minutes off the bench, which is about what you expect. Mitchell played 37 minutes. It it basically rotation-wise went as you would expect it to. Um, All of the main six rotation guys, starters plus Jordan Clarkson, um, played 30-plus minutes. I think that's pretty – that's something that's going to be pretty normal uh, for as long as Conley is out. And then the other three guys, Favors, uh, Niang, and uh, Oni didn't really play much at all. One weird thing I'm seeing here on the popcorn machine is the favors and Gobert actually were on the court a fair amount of time at the same time, which we haven't really seen to this point. Is that something we need to be looking at? 
Yeah, I think so, because it's new. It, that is new, like you said, and just kind of trying to think about it in terms of this matchup. So yesterday it would have been against, I'm assuming it was mostly with Lopez and um, Giannis on the floor at the same time, um, in which case you have Giannis who's looking to score around the rim and you have Lopez who is looking to take three-pointers. Um, you, you kind of have the same same thing with Miami here today with Bam basically being the Giannis and Olenek being the Brook Lopez. So maybe you do see, um, you know, more minutes for Gobert again, and then also still get around 20 minutes for Derek Favors. Yeah, that, w- that seems like uh, Gobert should have more upside then because he played 35 minutes last game. He had been averaging about 30 with Favors in. So if we bump that up to maybe 33, like that seems like it could be a little bit appealing, but the matchup is a little bit slow in this game and the prices aren't great. Uh, how how, do, how does, do you feel about Gobert tonight? Yeah, I, I really like him because <laughs> it's a similar situation to yesterday where, for one, I think in this matchup, there's a good chance that Gobert gets more minutes um, because of Bam. But two, he's priced to play 30 minutes, basically. And he's been a 1.25 to 1.3 fantasy point per minute guy this year. So... It, it would be one thing if he's if he were priced up and you needed him to get like 33 or 34 minutes. Like on FanDuel, he's relatively expensive. But on DraftKings at 7,100, if he plays 30 minutes, which is his average, you're still probably going to get a, a decent score from him. But if he does play 33, 34 minutes, like I think is pretty likely in this spot, then he's definitely underpriced here. So I, I think that there's a lot more upside than downside for Gobert at this price point. Awesome. Uh, let's... Go through the overall slate real quick because we got five minutes. So look at the ownership projections. It doesn't look like anyone is overwhelmingly chalky, but the top three are all Houston Rockets with Wall, Gordon, and House. And then Curry is number four, 25. These guys are all in the 25 to 30% range. So um, it looks like Houston's going to really be the team that everyone is getting the value from with guys like House, Nawaba, and Brown. But then we have that uh, the New York value with Noel potentially opening up if Mitchell Robinson doesn't play. So uh, have you, uh, what do you make of a cursory look of the ownership today? Yeah. I mean, like you said, Noel will make a big impact there. Um, The way it looks right now though, I think it makes sense. Like you have the guys at the top wall, Gordon and house, all guys that are benefiting from Oladipo being out most likely Um, Curry in a great matchup. Sabonis and Brogdon, we both mentioned being still clearly underpriced here. Nawaba, another beneficiary of those guys being out. The first guy that I get to, like going down the list in terms of ownership, where I'm kind of like, oh, that doesn't make a ton of sense, is that Gallo and and Butler piece. But Butler being a small forward makes him more valuable on DraftKings. Um, And then Gallo, you know, I I get it, but I think that there's other plays that are very similar. And then one last thing, we got No House Event sponsoring our show tonight, and we have free projections on the site for No House Advantage, so make sure to check that out. It's an easy way to get some action if uh, you haven't signed up for a membership yet. And uh, the guy that's jumping out at me, uh, they have this line of 6.5 for James Harden rebounds. And, I mean, that seems pretty reasonable, but with DeAndre Jordan out, I'm kind of projecting that the other Nets are going to have to board more so is that something you'd bank on in the prop market, like no house advantage? Yeah, I think that's a really good spot to get to because um, the like one of the first things people always think about when, when a player is out is how it affects scoring. But in this case, you know, when you take out someone like DeAndre Jordan, it's not going to make the most noticeable impact in DFS, but it is going to put more rebounds out there to go around. And I think that, you know, as you had mentioned before, Harden has already seen an uptick in, in rebounding. This is a game where you're going to get a lot of shots. So naturally a lot of missed shots as well. So a lot of rebounding opportunities. I think um, that seems like a pretty low prop. And then we got a question about Olenek tonight on FanDuel. So to uh, for context here, Olenek's price point is 5,100. He seems to have had pretty inconsistent minutes recently because he's not always cracking the closing lineup. Any love for Olenek? I don't like the matchup and I don't trust <laughs> his minutes. I guess the one positive or the one thing I would say is that center on FanDuel is surprisingly weak today because like New Orleans Noel is a power forward. And so Olenek is kind of by himself in his price tier. Derek Favors is $200 less, but he certainly has concerns of his own. Um, so I think Olenek maybe gets into some lineups just where you're 
you need a cheap center. Like he's, he's probably the best cheap center play on FanDuel. Um, but, you know, still, if I can, I would rather get Cousins for 6,200 or Gobert for 86 or even Capello for 75. Awesome. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in here. We got uh, a lot of DFS content coming up later today. Uh, first, our NASCAR show is back at 12 p.m. Eastern with Jason and our NASCAR specialist, Bill Benenson. Then at 3 p.m. Eastern, we got two shows, NHL with Jake and Cliffy, and then the NBA game plan with Terry. Terry's going to be uh, taking a look at Fancy Cruncher and answering a lot of questions there because he's one of our Fancy Cruncher experts. That's the members-only stream, so you can get that with the NBA Express or full package. And then we got MMA, Live Before Lock, Jason and Pete, that's 4.30 Eastern. Huge MMA slate today. Should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, deeper dive in live before lock, or as I like to call it, money time. So we got Spags, Greg, Emac, and Terry breaking down the slate before lock for you guys. All right, guys, thanks a lot for supporting the channel and tuning in, and good luck tonight.